What's good, people? This pod is recorded on September 27th, Friday, and we have Mito Fabier, a.k.a. Curtis Smith, on the pod. He talks about his steady rise in music, dealing with fake friends, a strange Esquire feature on him, and his latest project, Dining Table. It's a really interesting one, so get ready for a real banger. Before that, I wanted to give a word to our sponsors. First, Plants by Amanda. They make living room ready plants, and it's all grown in fertile vermicompost. They sent us a yucca and um, elephant ears, and you can actually find it on the pod if you watch on YouTube. So check them out. They sell really great plants, and you can find them on Instagram at Plants by Amanda. Second, we have Sabong, the baddest beach in La Union. They have great chicken. My personal favorite is the chicken morty, but they, all of their chicken is good. And I've, I've heard really different variations of what people like. You can find them specifically in San Juan. So if you're in the La Union area, you should really go eat there. It's really good food. And lastly, we have Good House, grab-and-go fitness food. Um, I tried their Miss Saigon, which is like a wrap, and I'm really happy with it. If you're into healthy food and you're into working out, then this is something that you must check out. They're available in Focus Athletics Pro in Makati, and you can buy their products there. Thanks. Now to the podcast. Just want to say thank you to Lexi for doing the first episode. It's very lit. You know... (laughs) <laughs> long time coming. I was so excited to do it. Thank you to everyone who supported the pod. For the first episode, we got like 400 views, which doesn't sound like a lot, but we got that in the first day, and it like it was pretty hype. Nice. Um, shout out to Jamie Duncan, Modern God, for helping me set this podcast up. He's our audio editor. Yeah, shout out I... to PJ, helping us with the video tonight. You know, Woo-hoo. he's got everything going on. All right. And um, shout out to East India Network. You know, we have more content coming, not just this podcast. We got music. We got videos. So stay tuned on this YouTube channel, and you'll see more of what we're about to do. And now I want to welcome our second guest Hello. ever on our second episode of the Fra- Being Frank podcast. Okay. We're here with the boy. What's up? Mito Fabier. Hello. Most people know him by Curtis Smith. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. You know, over <laughs> over millions of streams on Spotify, 60,000 people stream your music weekly or monthly. Like, yes. you've, you've really arrived, it uh, seems. Uh, it seems. Right? It seems. So let's, let's start from the beginning. Ah. Right? Everything, Our days. Everything starts somewhere. So Our days. When, what got you to start rapping? Um, I think it was a Jamie. Jamie? Here's Jamie. I think so. I mean, I like, started rapping with both of you. But were you listening to rap? Like, what were you listening to? What made you think, okay, I want to? Kid Cudi made me start rapping. Kid Cudi. Yeah. What album? The f- I remember the first, the first rap I ever made was over. Uh, you can the color. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I remember yeah. that one. Is that is it that new new? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one. That one. That was my first like, ever. What you rap. just said you wanted to rap, okay, I'm going to write a rap. Were you freestyling? Were you... Well, as you may know, I'm an only child. And if I wasn't with you guys, I was home alone. My mom was, you know, doing her thing. Yeah. And so, I, because I, was, I didn't have any siblings or anything, I um, used the rap as my form of, 
you know, I was going through stuff also. So it was my form of therapy. It was the my 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 source of companionship when I had no one there with me. And what year are we talking about? I don't even know. Like third, fourth year high school. Third, fourth year high school. Yeah. So I was probably like fifteen, sixteen. Um. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, straight up. You, you, you're I always mean, the type of guy to listen to everything. Yeah, right? but that like was that was times. also the time like during like Bag Raiders and Mike Snow and stuff right, like that. Right, right. Yeah, that was the hipster shit then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, it, you know the Drake stuff was always there, and you know, the rap kind of took over when Kid Cudi was like starting to pop so off that day and really night like type of thing. That was when you made the jump when Kid Cudi like inspired you besides these other rappers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I really associate that time with Cudi for some reason. So like your main influences when you were starting to rap were like who? Fuck. <laughs> uh, Cudi friggin' B.O.B. Yeah, even. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I can't even remember all these. These like there were some white guys mm-hmm. there. Um, I mean, it was a lot. Uh, what's his name? Dun, dun, they tell me I'm the best out. Uh, follow me, like I'm the best route. I don't know. What's anyway, that? anyway, don't worry about that, right? Like, yeah. I I <laughs> wanted to talk to you also about like during that time. I know we we kind of started rapping together. People may not know this, but when we, we started, start we together. started. We it was of. you, me, Jamie. That was it. People yeah. always were like, wow, you guys can uh, freestyle and stuff. But we really wanted to rap. Yeah, yeah, and it was yeah. during a time when, like, <laughs> especially in the Philippines, rap EDM, wasn't... EDM. It was just EDM. Yeah, it, it was, was a lot of EDM. Yeah. It was, it, and local artists weren't rapping. They were doing either acoustic covers or battle rapping. Well, the ones that we knew. Obviously, like, being in the game and meeting the older generation, yeah. they well, were doing shit. But for us... But no current type of rap, like, current for the time... It was always old school. It was always inspired by pop. It was always boom Bach. bap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Mad you know, lib I mean, no, I have no Jay problem with it. But yeah, yeah. You I know, it was, you. it was sort of like unheard of to do something like that, right? I, I guess. Yeah. Uh, from, our, from our paradigm, for sure. Yeah, that's the other thing I wanted to talk to you about. Because right now, you're big. Whenever you release music, you can release it on Spotify. Yes. You, you push that through your social media, through Instagram, Right through your uh, collective mm-hmm. and all these different avenues, but at the time, the the roadmap was different. It was yeah. hot new hip hop. It was five star hip hop. It was all these different blogs. Yeah. And the way people released their mixtapes was they made a mis- mixtape. People would download it from a website, listen to it through their iTunes. Yep. Right. Yeah. So, sure. what do you think is the advantage of like? then versus now and the disadvantages? I think the advantages now... Excuse me. Is that, is that everything um, is all in one platform, really, or like um, an oligopoly of platforms. Okay. You know, it's, it's, it's Spotify, it's um, Apple Music, and it's Tidal, and whatever, YouTube maybe, right? Whereas before you had these blogs, you had to get downloaded Mm -hmm. which means you had to have enough storage space and all of these things to be able to get the music and even just the inclination to go on these blogs but do you think there was any advantage back then yeah um especially for the philippines there was there was um it was harder to to enter music right right. you know now 
everyone's making music so and releasing because it was it harder Spotify. to enter you making your own music makes you way more unique than so many other people is what you're saying i guess so yeah yeah okay that's cool so during that time you released ideal mm-hmm. right which in my view is a collective of different songs you made over like x amount of time all with different vibes, and you put it all together saying, this is me. This is me as an artist, right? Yeah, yeah. Did you have a rapper name at the time? Yeah, Curtis Smith, for sure. In I- when you released Ideal? Yeah, it was Curtis Smith. Okay, already. so as early as then, you were already Curtis Smith. Yeah. And how many tracks? That was your longest project ever. I think right? it was uh, 11 to 14, yeah. I think. And yeah, you've never released 14. one that big no. since. No, what's your What's your general feel of Ideal? What If you had to summarize it in your own view and emotion towards it that that was re, you remember that time it was me broke as fuck mm-hmm. um in so you're school, still going to school yeah in school but i hated school yeah what else um trying to do all of these different like find all these different ways to make money Mm-hmm. Having all of these ideals, right? Fucking basically living in your house, watching all these TED talks, right? Like, and trying to be that person, striving to be the ideal version of myself when I didn't have anyone to look up to. So that's the concept. So that's the concept, and it, you know, it, it's me striving to be the person I wanted to be. Okay, yeah. that's cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then after that, or during that, actually. That's when you became a part of Logic Club, right? Yeah. A lot of people who listen to you and follow you now might not even know about Logic Club. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But what is Logic Club? Logic Club is a collective of artists that enabled me to learn about what it was like to be in a studio. Uh-huh. Uh, it was my first time to experience uh, a setting with a bunch of different artists. Yeah. And learning about mixing and mastering and, you know, just even what this material does in a studio or, you know, takes and all of these things. Working with a producer even. Yeah. Yeah. Someone who basically people who are dedicated to the music the way you were. I wasn't even then, you know, I was at the time. I was just like, yo, I love music. Like Mm -hmm. I didn't I never thought that I could make anything out of it. Right. Right. We never thought we could make it. I mean, out you of it. you must have had some idea though, because you joined no. it and you went for it. No, I I really. So honestly why did you join Logic Club? The, the The way I was invited was it was my first ever gig, second ever gig. Um, it was in Kubao Expo, and I was the only non Logic Club member who was in the roster of performers. Okay. And at, by the end of the night, they asked me to join, and it was so funny because. Um, my friend was telling me, like, Moya, he's part of Dante and Amigo. Okay. So Dante. He reminded me a couple of weeks ago that, like, he was there, my first gig, and I was playing music from my iPad, and just be <laughs> like, I wouldn't even let the song finish. I'd be like, okay, I'm done, next song. <laughs> um, yeah, it was Damn, good bro. times, man, yeah. So then, people don't know, but you and Crown developed a relationship through there. Sexually. Right? And uh, you, you made a lot of music <laughs> together. Yeah, not a lot. We made we made good songs together, man. We definitely did. Um, the first track I ever made over his was going in for from his was going in for life. I didn't even know him back then. 
So, so he just came out. He came out with the instrumental. At the time, I was super into the Charlie Chaplin speech. Yeah. I so I put that. that sample. I laced that sample on, on on the beginning on the intro, and then I just you know wrapped my heart out, mm-hmm. um, and th- you know, I never thought that it would rena- re- resonate with more than freaking ten people. Yeah. But uh, I mean, besides him and like did. Jess Conley and stuff, that's a duo that. Well, people who were listening at the time kind of remember because yeah, you guys also sure. LDR is his as well, right? Yep, yep. He produced so, like, that. Yeah, you guys made like you guys had sort some sort of chemistry there, dude. I mean, that guy is super cool. He is um, for people who don't know him. Crown is he's a producer and he's also the drummer, right? Uh, oh, she's only sixteen. Exactly. Yeah. So great musician. Great musician. Great person all around. Yeah. You know, very very humble guy, and. You know, is not in it for anything but for the love of his music. That's great. Yeah. So like <laughs> that's you would say that's the best relationship you made with a person in Logic Club? No, all of the relationships I made in Logic Club were all unique and genuine in their own way. That's great. Uh, it's just that I remember going to the studio there one time as well. Yeah, yeah, cool. yeah. We tried to record the that, that so one song. Early on, like yeah. before everything. Yeah. Right? Like everything blew up. Yep. Yeah, I remember that. But yeah, I mean, um, the uh, management of Logic Club at the time, you know, there there was a lot of there was a lot of a lot of bullshit mm-hmm. going on, and I'm you know I'm very transparent about it until now. Like like what? Like if you don't mind me asking. Like until now, I have I have not gotten any royalties from the streams of LDR or For the Love. Okay. S- yeah, and to think a hundred, a million streams. You make like a hundred thousand pesos or something like that. Do the math, people. Yeah. So Pay Curtis Smith. Um. So yeah. Uh, I mean, it was yeah. It was at a time when music wasn't as professional or technical as it is nowadays. And because yeah, I mean, like it. It was. It's. It's still the wild, wild west, but it was more the wild, wild west back then. Right. It was I more chaotic. You know, I didn't even think that I could make money off streams. Right. Back then, you know what I mean. You're um, just trying to get known so that you could do shows. Yeah, and I didn't even know how to upload it back then. Right. So, without know. them, it might have never been out there. It probably wouldn't. Not at the time. Yeah. Not at the time. Right. For sure. Okay, that's cool. So part of that is like, like talking about Logic Club. I wanted to talk to you about like the music scene, indie music scene, OPM indie music scene then. Okay. During the Logic Club era and now, like, what do you what do you think has changed? How how much has it developed? Phenomenally. Um, I think now the lines of indie and OPM and everything has just been thrown all into one pot, mm-hmm. and there's a, a newer generation that's making a killing. There are there are younger artists like uh, Yisanigo and Siddhartha. Mm-hmm who have progressed and who have grown so much faster than we could have. I, th- I, I think, see. you know what I mean? So from when you started, from day one to where you are now, they were fast-tracked when they burst onto the scene. Well, they were younger when they were exposed to that. So they were starting earlier. Yeah, we were way when we, earlier. When we were their age was different than what they're doing. Yes. They already see a roadmap. They know how to get to where you are, sort of. Yeah, yeah. That's that's amazing, bro. Um, so do you, do you feel like you're part of, like, you're one of the pioneers for this side of music? No. 
I wouldn't call myself a pioneer of anything. Why not? Uh, that's not for me to say. Okay. That's not fair for enough, me to claim. Fair enough. But I mean, in my opinion, like, you know, obviously I'm your friend. But other than yeah. that, I really, I really see the way it changed from releasing your music on SoundCloud and like, you know, just promoting your YouTube videos and stuff to like streaming on Spotify. And these people have seen it. And I know for a fact, because recently I was on um, No One's Homies podcast. Yeah. And they're two rappers, right? Yeah, yeah, I like them. Claudio, yeah. I know Claudio. Yeah, exactly. And they were talking to me about it, and they're like, yeah, you know, like, listening to you and Mito on SoundCloud, it made us realize, wow, we can just rap. Like, Dope. you can just do it Dope. if you wanted to, right? Yeah, like, awesome, awesome, yeah. So, like, I, I would definitely say you're a pioneer. Thank you. This. That's, that's, you know, it's really nice to hear, especially, like, people slightly younger than us or younger than us tell, tell us these things. yeah. Because especially in terms of rap specifically, oh for yeah. me, oh, because yeah. like, especially like you know when you talk to like titos or titas stuff like that, rap is not really music to them. No, my lolo even says right? like, what are you saying? Like you play the guitar or you sing really well, they're like, oh my god, they can be a really good artist. That's always like the stigma, right? But rap is like, wow, you're just saying a bunch of bad words and talking about drugs and doing all this, but. You know, they don't they don't see the intricacies and artistry of what rap really is. Yeah, for sure. And only people who really listen to rap understand that. Yeah. And I think that's part of why it's so much easier for people to start rapping now compared to then is how mainstream rap has become. For if sure. You, if you look at our, li our life, right, as kids up until this point, it went from, like, My Chemical Romance to Akon to Drake yeah. And now Travis Scott has a Netflix yeah, yeah, documentary. Yeah. Like, I remember I had lunch with my tita the other day, and she's telling me, oh, I just watched a Travis Scott documentary. And I'm like, wow, look at how far hip-hop has come. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So it's, it's definitely to a point where, because it's pop, it's more accepted. People are more exposed to it. People are more inclined to move towards it. And, you know, it's not as... As niche. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. For sure. Um... And with that, it's it's come to a point, I think, globally as a mainstream genre mm -hmm. to have such a small amount left to to climb. Right. Right? Yeah. Um, and it's fine. You know, um, everything is a trend. And it also shows how far it's come, like... Oh, for sure, Sometimes for sure. I mean, there's just the there's just a peak. There's a ceiling. And yeah, it's it's very close to that ceiling. And for the longest time, also, but when when that happens, when it becomes like super mainstream, people talk about oh, it's become watered down. It's become this and that. Mm. And then there was um, there was an interview of Joe Rogan that I was watching, where they were talking about comedy, mm -hmm. and they were talking about the difference. There's a, there's two types of comedy. There's the slapstick comedy, and yes. then there's the cerebral kind of comedy. Right. And that's what's happened in rap. You have the Yeah, the you mumble, have the ratchet, like, whatever, and, Bobby Shmurda And type. then you have, you know, the elevated J. Cole type, yeah. you know, woke shit. I mean, it's sort of like Janae Aiko, Doja Cat. Exactly. Right? Like, something exactly. like that. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, I feel that, definitely. And I appreciate all sides of it. Honestly, Same. I Same. love trash Same. rap. Just for the oh, you especially, <laughs> <laughs> right? So I want to talk about uh, a certain time in your career, somewhere in between failing forward and solely yours. Okay. Right? Yeah. You're, you're <laughs> getting go. bigger. 
Yeah, yeah. And and it's actually to a point where you're starting to get hate. Yeah. Right? I remember yeah. specifically a meme of you, and it's like, this, this, this. You remember this meme? This, this is not you. Yeah. And it's like yeah, dissing yeah. you as an OPM artist. Yeah. And then there's always the talk about you being privileged. Yeah. And because you do, you know, like... I do maybe, come from pr- privilege. Maybe you're not as privileged as other people we know, but you do come from a very privileged background. Which I didn't see before. Yeah. Which I didn't see yeah, before. Agreed. Because I, you know, I wasn't exposed to everyone else before. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I, I just saw what I saw. And I hung out with the people we hung out with. Mm-hmm. And so I was just like, I'm not privileged compared to these guys. Right. But then you... you, you in the big picture. In the big picture, you're like, oh, shit, I am yeah. so privileged. But they hate you for that fact. They, 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 they never really had a specific reason to hate... I mean, some people called you like a Marcos apologist because they saw you <laughs> hanging out with Sandra Marcos yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, how do you deal with that? How did you deal with that at the time? Fucked, man. It was fucked. I got... <laughs> I got depressed uh, from all of it. Actually. Yeah, literally. I mean, that's why I made Dining Table. I was depressed for a while. Up until that point. Yeah, that's why I made Dining Table. To to close the book. You know what I mean? I was was just... Up until Dining Table, I was just making music and I was so fixated on just like, yo, I can make this work. Yeah. Like, this music thing is at the tip of my fingers. Let me fucking work on it until... I see it through. And then I got these endorsements and stuff. And, it, you know, it's happened in the span of... Like, when, when, when I started getting paid to the endorsements, right? I was getting... I was doing free gigs for a year. And then after I started getting paid, and then I got these endorsements. Mm-hmm. All in the span of, like, two years. Wow. That trajectory, right? And so that obsession with just making music was there and, you know, making it a career was there until I burnt myself out, I guess. And when that, when I burnt myself out, burnt yourself out in what way? Making, making constantly music, mo- making music, being in the public eye. Okay. And then once I was burnt out, having all of these people telling me all this shit. Right. You know what I mean? So and like these are all people you don't know. People, a lot of them I don't know. A lot of them were people I knew too. Really? Yeah, man. Remember our, one of our teachers from uh, TOS, the one school? Shout out to one school. And they're talking shit about you, what? Making a diss track about me and all that shit. Oh. Real shit. Like, I was like, holy shit, what am I doing wrong? I'm just trying to fucking make this work. Right. But that, that's also a, a sign that you've made it, right? To a certain extent. I didn't see it at, like that before. At the time. At the time. Not. Um, and I still don't look at it like, oh, yeah, I made it. I still don't. I'm so you don't feel it. like you've made it yet? No, fuck that. No way. Um, but when that happened and I started reading all these negative comments and all of these things, I was like, maybe there is something wrong with me. And So you were second-guessing yourself because of all of the hate? Yeah, yeah. And I, I, it did make me depressed, but it did teach me some things too. Do you think there was any, like, it was warranted to a certain extent, the hate towards you? Do you think they had reason to hate you? Yeah. Why? For musicians to hate me, it's because, you know, a lot of them were in the game way longer before me. That doesn't matter in my opinion. I know, but... Obviously, they're bitter. But regardless of that, putting myself in their position, you know what I mean? They're, who, they see this kid trying to make it, who they met, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Who's the fre- fresh fucking yeah. face. All of a sudden, getting the endorsements that you've been working so hard to get. Yeah. 
who the fuck is that kid, right? And I just so happen to be that kid. Mm-hmm. So um, that's not what really fucked me up, although that, that kind of messed me up. What really got me was like, for example, there was this one person on Twitter, I remember, who said I had a messianic complex and I never knew what the fuck that was. I never I heard of no that. I have no idea what that means. It's like someone just trying to be the sole person to save the world. You oh, know what I mean? Okay. You were too preachy, basically. Basically, just the combination. Yeah, that, like, trying to be the hero. Okay. And I mean, I can see that in your music, to be fair. For sure. Me too. And I was like, yo, like, that, that really hit home for me. Okay. And I was like, why am I trying to be a good person? Is it because I want people to say, yeah, that guy's a good guy? Right. And you know what? Growing up, I really wanted to just be called a good person. Um, I get that. For, As like, for validation. Yeah. And then when all that shit happened, I was like, you know, I was still, I still had genuine intentions, but people were calling me things that I wasn't. So I was like, you know, I just, I went on a downward spiral. And at the end of the day, I was like, do I really want to be a good person? Yes. Do I have to prove it to everybody? No. Right. So if you don't fucking think I'm a good person, then I don't give a fuck. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, I feel you. I mean, there, there are certain people in the game right now who have that problem. If you look at someone like 21 Savage, he's one of the people who like is most active in terms of charities, donating to charities, making events to make, you know, to give better lives to like the less fortunate people. But all you ever hear about in the news is how he's arrested in the UK, caught with guns, you know, he's just a general like hoodlum type guy. Yeah. But he is a good person. Yeah. And he's not trying to prove it to anyone. Exactly. And I needed to learn that. You know, they say it's one thing to know with your head and one thing to know with your heart. Right. And so I knew that logically, but it still affected me emotionally. Right. And so I had to experience it to really understand what it meant not to give a fuck about what people, right. the random people thought. I get that. Yeah. So early on, you, you, you have a lot of friends who supported you, yeah. who were there with you, who watched your shows, who listened to your music when you were freestyling, whether it was freestyling or releasing new tracks up until like Curtis Smith became uh, a character in itself, right? Yeah. Did your friends change yeah. in any way? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know that. Really? You know that. Don't, don't talk to me like that. Tell me what happened. <laughs> um, it became a, it, from support, it became, oh, you're too good for us. Oh, you don't have time for That's us. That's like the general. Yeah. And that was a lot of our friends. Until now, I don't see them as often because they think that I'm something that I'm not. Even when I was going through that depressive phase, like mm-hmm. the depressed phase, I, I had no one to talk to because everyone was just like, oh, Curtis Smith. Right, you know right. What I mean? So like every time you were with people, that was always like the caveat, like, oh, Curtis Smith's here, don't. You or know. yeah, or it was always about the career. It was never like, "How are you?" you right. Know what I mean? Right. I was always, "Oh, you know." So I thought, but I had you guys. You know, I had like the, the main homies and shit. Yeah. But f- the amount of people I thought were like really there for me, mm-hmm. and the reality of how many people were actually there for me, was very. It taught me a lot. Yeah. So what are you saying? Like, if you needed them, if you wanted to just spend time together, they wouldn't be willing? What do you you mean by that? 
I don't know if also it's, it's my fault for not reaching out, but when you're depressed, you don't want to fucking really reach out, right? You're so just you, in your yeah. head. You were really... I was just down, down and out. Uh, and when I wanted, you know, I was never invited to stuff and I would see it on, on social media that people, like the homies were out. Right. So I was like, oh, I guess I'm not invited again. You know what I mean? And obviously, f- obviously for them, it's probably like, oh, he didn't go to the last one. So, but also as an artist, right? If I had a gig that day, I can't say no because I'm not getting paid on the reg. Yeah. Like I have to you're say yes to every salary. single yeah. gig because I don't know when my next paycheck is. And the difference of is. that is you're usually working on the weekends. Yeah. People who are working are free on the weekends, so there's a clash there, right? Yeah, so it's not their fault, but at the same time, like, when you live in your head, you're just, you're, you're the victim, and you're, you're, I don't know, you just blame everything else. Or mm-hmm. even yourself, you just blame everything. Yeah. For everything. Yeah. Ha. <laughs> So <laughs> I, you know, I, people have it worse. Yeah, but I was, true. I was just, I was just feeding that sadness. You know what I mean? And and yeah. it's easy to be self-loathing, though. Like so easy, self, like so pity, all of that. Yeah, uh, imposter syndrome is what it is. I found out it's like everything that was that was good that was happening to me. Mm-hmm. I felt like I didn't deserve for one reason or another. Oh, you know yeah. What I, mean? I actually I saw a video on like Facebook about that. Oh, one yeah. time, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. pretty cool. So that's so that's what I was going through, and I still I still tackle it um, Up here now. and there. But at least now I'm aware of it. Yeah. So now I'm like, dude, there's so many things to be grateful for. You Why feel like are you're you in a better place it? with your friends now? With the right friends, yeah. Okay, so yeah. it's not about all of your friends being in a better relationship with you, but choosing which friends actually matter and which don't. Yeah, it, it's the ones that that saw me for who I was right. rather than what they saw on social media or what they heard from other people. Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, people will fucking talk shit about you even if you've never done anything to them. Yeah. You know what I mean? For sure. And so the people who are, were like, no, I know Mito and, and who he is. Like, I'm yeah. not going to take your word for it. I, I know who he is. Right. Those are the ones that I'm still friends with today. So with all the hate and all the backlash that you received some people bought into that is what yeah. you're saying that you knew personally your yeah. friends yeah that's yeah that's that's messed up man well it is what it is right yeah i mean it, it could happen to anyone honestly so anyway on a lighter note uh-huh. during around that time <laughs> logic club you know you you and logic club slowly started to part ways and you signed with stages. I was still, I was still Logic Club. Yeah, but then you signed with stages, which was more of like that was your own thing, right? That was my management. Yeah, uh, and that's when you kind of became more independent from Logic Club. Yes. I feel like right. Yeah. That's when I started getting my corporate. What stuff. is stages? Uh, stages is a management. It's so a they management do all group. the negotiations for you for a percentage. Okay. So they they are the bridge between you and the corporation, basically, um, and it's you know. For every management, it's it's f- in their initiative to pitch the artist to the company mm-hmm. or wait for the company to go to the artist and then just be the bridge. Right. So that's what that's what a management does. And you signed with them around what year is this? Twenty sixteen. What had you have you already had you already released solely yours? No, no. Not yet. No. So this is before then. This is before then. This is probably like failing forward days. Okay. Yeah. And how was it? Like, how was your general experience with dealing with a management group? I learned a lot. In, like, what? 
in learning how to be more independent as an artist and not relying on certain people or a certain system that you were not completely aligned with. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So to elaborate on that, for particular companies I worked with, for example, they will stay... Well, well, yeah, stages didn't have... They didn't pitch me to the company. They were literally the middlemen between the company wanting to work with me. Oh, okay. And they were getting 30% right. for that. And that was just like... But does that help you? It does, right? It helps because they know how to... Ask for more. Yeah. So you wouldn't be hitting the caps that you were hitting at the time. Yes. Without them. Yes. But at the same time, they were taking 30% of a cut from a company that wanted you in the first place. Yes. Okay. So th that's, that's where the gray area... But you think it was I, beneficial overall? Yeah, for sure. What was I the mean, hardest I, part about it? I think it was from the negotiation to the actual experience. Uh, there was a misalignment. You know? Uh, I, for example... In the negotiation, it seemed that I had a lot more input in what I wanted. Mm -hmm. Whether it be who my handler was... Uh, whether it be what projects I wanted to do, whether it be what the agreement was between corporation and artist. And when it actually went down, it didn't go down to my favor. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So basically, they weren't getting you the gigs in the terms that you wanted. Yeah. Yeah. It was in the terms that they wanted or were willing to... Except, yeah, and they the had other artists, you know what I mean? Make develop that a good was repertoire, one of the biggest problems, no? Yeah, develop a good repertoire with these corporations. Mm -hmm. I have another pool of so artists like now. That I can do you have out. a manager that's dedicated towards you solely? Um, well, I'm working with friends now who manage me, uh, so it's a little easier, it's easier, definitely. Better but also, stages. there are pros, there are cons, so right. it's easier because it's easier to communicate, mm -hmm. it's harder because they have other things that, that, they're, that they're doing. So, there's there's you don't have a manager who's dedicated to Curtis Smith, not at the moment, yeah. But I, I'm in talks with, with a couple of people, and um, you know, everything happens the way it's meant to, yeah. And I think these guys came, came about at the right time. Okay. So, yeah. That's good. Yeah, hopefully. We'll see. It's so not done yet. So, we'll with see. that, right, you worked with stages, you released a few projects, you've done all of these different things, you're exposed, you've, you've received hate. Yeah. Mainly by fans. You, you, could, you could call them fans, I guess. Like, fans are like haters, right? Okay. Regular people. We're all regular people. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Here we go, Mr. Philosophical. <laughs> anyway, you, you do a feature with Esquire, right? Yeah. And I have it here, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it up on the screen for our viewers, right? Okay. It was in collaboration with Axe, yes. if I'm correct, yeah. right? Yeah. Not ex I was trying to research. I couldn't find the exact author, which is yeah, interesting, interesting to me. Interesting angle. I looked at all the Have you gotten paid for that? Modern Twitter God, by the way, place? Jamie Duncan. No, he hasn't gotten paid for that. Jamie Duncan was part of it. He was. He, you actually were in his in his, his studio, studio. Yeah, doing the feature, anyway, and they said they would pay him mm -hmm. to use the spot. Exactly. No, no, nothing on Axe, nothing on any company that worked with it. But I'm just saying, like, they at were the end supposed of the day, somebody was supposed to get paid. They didn't. Yeah, happens. Um, they released an article of you, and it was 
sort of finesse. It was sort of... <laughs> it's it was, whack, dude. It was, it was fucking whack. It was a setup. Yeah. It was like yeah. they knew what they were doing. They didn't tell you what they were doing. So yeah. I have yeah. it here, and I'm going to put it up on the screen for our viewers. Entitled, <laughs> colon, rapper Curtis Smith speaks up for his generation. So reading it now, it's saying the title, it is entitled, rapper Curtis Smith speaks up for his generation. Right? Yeah. That's what it seems like. I'll, I'll, I'll give the name of the article right under it by Axe on the same, right? They did a whole promo for it on Esquire. Yeah. Privileged. Nico Santos wishes he was. So there's, there's definitely something there that was messed up, right? Like, basically, when you read it at first glance, which is how most people will, it, it'll say, entitled rapper Curtis Smith speaks up for his generation. Yes. Right? And that's just like a culmination of all of the hate that you've received yeah. prior to that. When yeah. Esquire and Axe approached you, what was it like? How did they sell it to you that they wanted to do a feature on you? Well, the, the interview went completely different. How did it go? It was another interview. You know what I mean? So they wanted to get in depth of you as an artist, yeah. of your workflow, yes, yeah. of your inspirations, just general interesting uh, topics that they could put on a feature. Good conversation. Really good conversation. Yeah, good conversation. And then formulating it to an angle that they wanted to. Uh, and that was probably through statistics online yeah. and all of these things. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, that's and it's interesting, dude, yeah. because that, like, you see a lot of artists and athletes talk about doing interviews, doing features, where they thought it was one thing yeah. and something else happens. And, like, nobody can ever empathize with them because they have no idea what they're talking about. They just think, oh, you're just stupid. Yeah. Right? <laughs> they just think you're just stupid if you do something like that. Yeah. But they really, like, kind of, they fucked you over. Bitten hook. It's bitten hook. They did. And for some, for a company that big. Hey, I'm not trying to, you know, I still work with them. It's just, <laughs> in my opinion, that's some dirty boxing. What is going on here? Like, Honestly, the... I can't blame Axe because Axe probably just hired people to to do the marketing for them, right? So you think whoever was in charge of writing the article or with marketing or something made the decision that it was best to call you an entitled rapper in this finesse way with a colon? Position it that way. Yeah, for sure. Um, and it's funny because I, I don't remember their names, but I remember their faces. And I remember, I was like, yeah, you should help me with my PR because my PR is so bad. And then they're like, yeah, man, just give me a call, whatever, whatever. And then they, f they make an article like that. And I'm mm -hmm. like, what the fuck? Two-faced. I mean, mm. I don't know. It was just interesting. And, like, how did you feel when it came out? What was the initial reaction of fans? And I ain't trying to speak for nobody except myself. Yeah. That's it. Uh, you know? So whatever hate that comes from somebody claiming to speak for the generation, I get it. Mm-hmm. I, I will be like, who the fuck, you know what I mean? Like, who is this guy trying, who thinks he can speak for me? Right. But I just so happen to be that guy. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, I don't know what you could have done differently. No, nah, man, it's all, it's all lessons. It's all, it's all lessons. And it's all, you know, if but you have... a lesson there? How do you prevent that? How do other people prevent that from happening to them? You can't. You can't. Um, I, think, I think my problem was that I was trying to reach more and more people rather than being content with who I was reaching 
already. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Again, it was that, that whole... So you're just reaching straight up. I was just trying to reach as far and wide as possible. I'm trying to reach the States. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I'm trying to go as far as I can, fucking yeah. run with the ball as far as I can. I think you have a better shot in Europe. Well, whatever it I is. Know. I don't yeah. know. Uh, but regardless of wh- where I wanted to penetrate, what I forgot to put my focus on was who I already had. Mm-hmm. Who I already have, right? And and being content. That was part with of that. that marketing thing you were telling me about, right? Yeah. What is that again? Uh, Seth Godin. Uh huh. He has a book called "This Is Marketing," mm-hmm. and he mentions that stop trying to reach for everybody. Reach for uh, uh, the smallest amount of people as possible, but build a genuine relationship with them, and and create that market and let them be the ones to spread the word for you, rather than you trying to sell yourself and and you know go this way and this way and this way because you're trying to reach all these different you know people with different beliefs. Right. Yeah. Okay. So I learned. I learned, and I had to. I had to go through all that shit to learn who I really was, who I really am, and what I stand for, and who I'm trying to talk to. So you think if you didn't come from a privileged background, that if you were like made it from nothing, people wouldn't be doing this to you? Nah. So would. do you think do you think that the reason that people do this to you is because they want to put people like you down? No, I mean I, what I'm saying is that no matter what my background would have been, it would have happened. They would have found a way to try to fuck me over. You think it, it's it's the So th- if you were like made it from nothing, because in my opinion, I really feel like if you had made it from nothing, if you were in the slums yeah. and now you're living okay because of you made it in music, the narrative would have been so different where people were like glorifying you and like saying this is what people need to do for themselves, take control of their lives, this is how you make it, this is yes. how you do it. Yes, but the enemies would be different. The enemies mm. would be the 1%. Okay. And that's exactly what happened to Looney, the, the rapper. Yeah, he's in jail now. In jail for weed, mm-hmm. uh, and it was—is he really made it from nothing? Though he went to UANP, didn't he? Huh? I don't know. No, I, I know oh. Abra went to UANP. Oh, I don't know Abra, about Looney. Sorry. Um, Looney looks pretty, pretty street to me. Yeah, yeah you know yeah, what I mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's, he talks pretty street to me. My bad, my bad. And um, what's fucked up is that they recorded it live on Facebook, Facebook Live, so that that's evidence right there. And with the with the situation in the Philippines, right? You get caught with a uh, X amount of of weed with you. It's as bad as having shabu, mm-hmm. and that's that's pretty fucked up because um, the weed is legal in America in certain states or decriminalized. Oh uh, yeah, you know what I mean. Um, legal in some states as well. Yeah, you can buy it off the counter. And so for for that to be so public, with with that amount of repercussion for that artist who's speaking against the 1% who are trying to keep people down, that's a message right there from so the 1%. So you think that's what it was? That, f- for me. But I'm also that guy, right? Like, Yeah, yeah, no, I, I get it. But you really feel like that was an attack on him? Some yeah, sort for of. sure. It's an attack on everybody in, in culture. So they're trying to keep them down, basically. They're trying to keep the system from shifting to something else that they can't control. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so it would have been one or the other. Pick yeah. your poison. Yeah, exactly. And at the end of the day, you just have to survive through it all. Whether yep. it's the 1% you're fighting or the other side or mm-hmm. whoever. Or whoever. Whoever it is. You're not going to please everyone, right? Mm-hmm. So you'll be fighting some. And it's up to you. Are you going to bite? Are you going to bite? Are you going to... 
accept that there is always a yin and a yang. Mm-hmm. That's it, okay. I think. That's interesting. That's cool. So after that, right, you worked with Stages. Yeah. You and Stages parted ways. Yes. At what point is this? Um, after the endorsements. So what year are we talking? 2017? 2017, 2017, 2017. Yeah, 2017. So about a year. After, yeah, my first like leg of endorsements. I was like, yo, I'm making the most money that I've ever made and I'm the saddest I've ever been. Okay. So obviously there's something wrong here. So you let go, you and you and stages parted ways. Yeah. How soon after that did you find careless? Couple months. Couple months. Couple months. So during that hiatus you were just chilling. coasting. I was just coasting. Okay. I was still doing a couple of gigs. And then I did one gig for Adidas and Brett was there, mm-hmm. vibing to my music, and you know if you, you know when you perform, one out of th- one out of the five performances will be good. The rest of the time, people don't give a fuck that you're performing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They're all doing whatever, you know. And so it was one of those gigs where people just didn't give a fuck about my performance. And then you have a couple of people. I mean, they're there for the clout. Curtis Smith's there. Um, whatever it is. Yeah. But Brett was there with a couple of other people, and he was fucking vibing. You know what I mean? So obviously, you see a crowd of people who are NR, and then you see a couple of guys who are vibing. And you're like, thank you. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I went up to him after, and I was like, yo, man, like, thanks for vibing. Mm-hmm. We, should, we should link up sometime. And we ended up linking up. And then... We did like maybe two songs together, and then he invited me to join Careless, and then I joined. So at the time when he asked you to join Careless, it was you, Brett, who else? This is Brett Jackson, right? Yeah, yeah. He was recruiting a couple of people. So, he, so initially it was him and James okay. and Nadine, and then he recruited High Sam, who's Messiah, Astro, me, and Sophia. Okay. So then you had become a real group, yeah. Together, oh, I mean, we, the, the the intention was never for us to be a Brockhampton of sorts. Of course, um, it was it's always more similar to like Logic Club in that sense, right? It's like a collective type thing. Yeah, yeah, but like, you know, on a higher level. I guess, yeah. I mean, you you are working with with more like established. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> You know. Yeah, I mean, it, I, you can't deny the the following of James and Nadine. Oh yeah, they're yeah. Th- that's that's some real numbers. Yeah, they gotta stop hanging out with you, or else they're gonna be druggies or some shit. What <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> no, I've seen lie. I've seen stuff like that online about. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like yeah. you know, James fans are like, you yeah, know, no, they're stop hanging out with these rappers, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, they don't. But even that's know. that's a testament to how big he is. Exactly. And he he's more of the face of careless, you would say, yeah. Yeah, Definitely. for sure, he is the face of careless. Yeah, right. Like straight up, it's pretty cool. So how is it working with him? He's cool. He I've never worked with him really, like We've, in terms of music. We don't have a song together yet. Yet. Do you guys plan on making some music together? Hopefully, you know it's 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 always um. But you perform together, and you show up together and like yeah that's the main thing about it yeah yeah uh we have meetings together i hang out in this place like as a friend he's really cool yeah and i like the fact that he reached the level that he did and is still true to himself 
And that's what I respect. Yeah. Do you feel like you're that way? Yeah, for sure. Um, although I feel like the way I see it, if I went to his level and surrounded myself with the people that he was with when he was like super hype, mainstream, all that stuff, mm-hmm. I would have gotten lost in the sauce way right. quicker. Right. You know what I mean? So what do you think the key is to be able to do that? Do you see anything? Well, I was I was reading this book called Dare to Lead. And it was talking about... It had a lot to do with my situation because it talks about how there are a lot of opinions and there are people like me who care too much about all of these opinions. And then when that happens, you close yourself off and don't care about any opinion, mm-hmm. right? And you're just like, fuck everybody. Da, 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 da. And then that's when you live in your own head. But then the the middle ground is... That's the sweet spot, apparently, where you have the right people to give you their opinions. And it's just maybe like freaking like three to five people. Mm-hmm. And as long as they're not sucking your dick, they're real with you. And you can tell them anything. You can be as transparent as possible. And them giving you honest feedback, then that's all you need. Yeah. You know, fuck the noise. Right. But also don't be alone. Just just st- stay true to, to your tribe. Yeah. yeah. So you're with Careless now, right? Yeah. And how has it been recently? Interesting. Very interesting. You guys are doing the Ferg? We're doing Ferg, yeah. You did ASAP Rocky. I was there. We did ASAP Rocky. Yeah, yeah you, were <laughs> 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 you were there. You fucked. Yeah. <laughs> right. So <laughs> yeah. you released Dining Table. Yes. Recently. Mm-hmm. When was that? I don't know. Couple months ago, yeah, yeah, and that's with Careless. Mm-hmm. And talk to the people about Dining Table a little bit. Dining Table was me closing my book with my sadness. So and you're not sad anymore, or you're better. I'm better. I'm better for sure. I mean, everyone's sad, right? Everyone has. It, it's it's whether or not you want to feed it. Yeah, I decided to stop feeding it after Dining Table. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you really felt like you released some energy with Dining Table. Can you tell people the concept of Dining Table? Because I remember you releasing a statement about exactly what you... Yeah. Uh, Dining Table was basically me imagining myself in a position where I could sit down with my parents some more time and tell them all the shit that I've been going through. Okay. And that's specific to you, though. What what about your parents? Um, My dad passed away when I was 15 or 16. I don't even remember anymore. And my mom left when I was 16 or 17 mm-hmm. for, for London. Yeah. Uh, and so, and they were, they were divorced since I was three. Yeah. You know, so. I mean, that's how hard. I that's can count with my hands. Deal with as a person. Yeah. As I, a kid. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was. Uh, and I can count with my hands how many times we had dinner, the three of us. Wow. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. Dining table was that. Dining table was. Do you feel like that situation helped you become who you are now? Yeah, man, for sure. That's that's what enabled me to spend Christmases with a bunch of different families like yours. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Who kid can go and do that? Spend Christmas and New Year's with whoever other other yeah, families. Yeah. Um, but that's just what. Do that's you feel like just you're stronger because of it, or smarter, or. More street smart or anything like that? I think it's a culmination of a lot of things. I think that taught me way more than what school could have ever taught me. Yeah. Uh, Especially because I was an only child and I didn't know what a family was really. Mm -hmm. So seeing families deal with their own shit 
was like, yo, okay, no family is perfect. You can be as rich as you as you can be, but there will still be problems. Mm-hmm. So what are the the things that will keep you together? If it's not the money, if it's not this, if it's not that, if it's if you're not always happy, right? And it's really just it's one thing or not. It's the love, dude. Yeah, it's the love for sure. Yeah. So just kind of to wrap this up. Okay. Right, because yeah. we talked a lot about your life. We've gone through ideal up until dining table, yeah, careless stages, all that. Yeah. What's next for Curtis Smith? Are you gonna be a rapper forever? Do you have things in the works coming up? Yeah. Um, the angle or the way I want my life to go is I use Jay Z as a peg. So I will. Whether there is nobody in the world who listens to me or there are a lot, like a million people who listen to me, I will always be making music. Okay. So music will never leave me. Right. But do I want my livelihood to be based on people's perception of me on whether they like me or not? No. Okay. Um, do I love other things? Yes. I love business, man. Mm-hmm. I, but not like fucking greedy business, yeah. like social entrepreneurship. I love employing people and helping them improve their lives. Yeah. Um, having the same value system mm-hmm. and reaching the same goal or striving towards the same goal. So that's where I'm at now. I, you know, we spoke about, about it a while ago. I just got accepted into a little Harvard course. Hey. The, yay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, I, I want, you know, I also have a business that I, I have with two partners. Yeah. And there are things. This is Sabong. Sabong. Shout out to Sabong. Yeah. Um, there are things that I still have to improve within myself. Mm-hmm. That I want to improve within myself. Yeah. Whether it be managerial, whether it be simply presence, man. Mm-hmm. And so these are the things that I have to, to develop within myself so that I can be a better version of who I, I, I see myself being. Mm-hmm. And being a better asset towards a group, uh, asset with a group of people. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And then if you had. One piece of advice for all the kids out there who want to be like Curtis Smith. Because even my cousins, I know they look up to you. That's great. They love your music. You remember they... they yeah, they interv- yeah, yeah, yeah. So like all those kids who want to break into the music scene, what's your one piece of advice to them? Don't do it for the wrong reasons. Do it because you love the music. Do it because you love whatever it is you want to do. Okay. Um, but also be real about it. Like, mm-hmm. I feel that. You know what I mean? I feel that. Don't. I don't be delusional. Yeah. Oh, this is my dream, but you you actually suck right, it, right? Right. So just be real, but do what you love and learn. Never be closed-minded. Always, you know, always check yourself. Pull yourself out of your head and your ego, and 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 I'm still doing it. You yeah. know, I mean, I'm not like an expert at it, but, but that's constantly me. check yourself. That's the mindset. Yeah. Okay. What about so you? What's your what's your my advice? advice? Yeah. Uh, don't do drugs. Don't do drugs. Okay. So um, <laughs> to end this, to wrap this up completely, let's do a quick rapid fire. Okay. Okay. All right. It's an Instagram you should follow. Uh, an Instagram I should follow? Yeah. Anybody should follow. Uh, I don't know. Not <laughs> Smith. Instagram we should unfollow. Thoughts. Okay. Any thought. Okay. Last song you listen to? <laughs> Vossy Bob. Okay. Favorite artist right now? Uh, what's his name? The, the guy who made Vossy Bob. 
not Stormy. Stormzy. 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 Local artists we should listen to. Mm, Curtis Smith. Artists we should stop listening to. Curtis Smith. Favorite movie? Um, favorite movie? Yeah. Bro, this is rapid fire. Come oh, on. Sorry, speed it I don't up. I don't know. Okay, TV show you're watching right now. Uh, I was the last one I watched was uh, Money Heist. Oh, okay. I heard Shokugeki though, I love. Okay. Book you're reading right now? Uh, this is marketing. South Checks Korean. or stripes? Checks. Okay. Checks over. Okay. What are you insecure about? Myself. Everything about okay. myself. What do you do to relieve stress? Um Forget about myself. <laughs> Mac or PC? Mac. You have an idol right now? No. Nah. No? No. Favorite cuisine? Jesus, my idol. Wow. <laughs> Favorite cuisine, Japanese. Okay. I, I fuck with that. Yeah. Go to drink? Uh, beer. Yeah, same. Best part of your job? Freedom. Worst part of your job? Attention. Okay. Best gig you did ever? All there must be one. All there must be one. No? Worst gig you did. Don't New lie. Year's. That one. New Year's. New Year's. What year? 2017. Where? Mao's Den. Okay. Yeah, that sounds bad. No one sense. person. Ooh. One person in the crowd. I, I left Noche Buena, or not Noche Buena, Countdown, yeah. to get there. For and one guy. For one chick. But thank God to that chick. chick. Shout out to that chick. But like, okay. she was, I don't know. I, she I was didn't, alone? She was alone. I should have talked to her. I didn't, I didn't speak to her. I was in my head. She was alone. Yeah. The fuck she doing there alone watching Curtis anyway? Now that I think Forget about it, it, I should have asked her. Genre you would be doing if you weren't doing rap? Oh, house. Deep house. House? Deep house. Okay. Yeah. Oh, no, that's cool. Or that's funk. Cool. Funk? Okay, yeah. That sounds more like, come on, you wouldn't be doing house. I really want to do deep house. Until now, I really want to do it. Really? Yeah. Like what? Produce or sing? Produce, maybe. Or like okay. just DJ. Okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. So that was it. Yeah. Thank you, Mito. That's what you get. Thank you for doing this. You know, shout out to our viewers. Listen to the next one. We got more shit coming for you guys. Ooh, ooh. Shout out to Curtis Smith. Shout out to Modern Guard. Thank you for dealing with the audio. PJ for dealing with the video. Thank you. All right, we good. So that was the dry run? No, yeah. <laughs> Did we make it on the video? Was that an hour?